0: And welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor podcast. I am being joined by Dr. Kenneth Dion. Dr. Jan is the Assistant Dean for Business Innovation and Strategic Relationships at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing and President of Sigma. He is a 40 year veteran of the healthcare industry. He is a nurse entrepreneur, innovator, and scholar. Dr. Dion founded Decision Critical Inc, an information system company to meet the education, compliance and competency development needs of healthcare organizations. Decisions Critical was acquired by Healthstream Inc where Dr. Dion served as vice president and chief of nursing informatics. He joined Johns Hopkins in 2018. Dr. Dion earned his bachelor's degree in nursing at the University of Central Florida and his MBA, MSN, and PhD in nursing systems at the University of Texas at Austin. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dion.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you. Uh, so uh, it, it, a very impressive resume or, or, or bio and I definitely wanna talk about uh, some of the work that you did, uh, uh, which is not the typical, what we consider nursing pathway for most individuals. So, uh, so we'll talk about that, but before we get into the details of that, uh, if you'd share with us, how did you get started in the world of nursing?
1: Great question. Well, I must uh, admit that I was influenced by a great nurse in my life. My mother who, uh, started off as a diploma nurse and, uh, wound up getting her master's degree in nursing. So, um, gave me some great insight into the great opportunities in the profession. I wasn't exactly sure where my career was going to take me. As you said, you know, I'll be honest, my career trajectory is a bit of a ball of twine. Uh, so I knew I had a passion for healthcare because I did a lot of volunteer work, uh, working in the hospital where my mom worked, uh, but actually went up being a firefighter paramedic for a number of years. Uh-huh. Uh, pursued the paramedic degree and then, uh, went to work uh, in a county where I was required to be a firefighter paramedic. Um, So they put me through fire school and that was interesting for a person who wasn't fond of heights, closed in spaces and had worked (laughs) with burn patients before, but I really was passionate about the work. And I did that for a number of years, uh, but I knew I had more to give. And, And that's always important to me is to give to the fullest extent of my ability. And of course, My colleagues on the fire department thought I was crazy when I told them that I was going to go to nursing school because that was really a coveted job. You've know, you got one day on, two days off, uh, great benefits, but I really wanted to deliver more care and I knew that nursing would give me the opportunity to do that. So uh, I decided to attend the University of Central Florida uh, where I got my baccalaureate degree and During that time, I got really involved in the Student Nurses Association, but that's a little bit more about the career trajectory, so we'll come back around to that. But, you know, really saw all of the facets of nursing and and all the opportunities, and it didn't have me locked into a single career path, and that was something that was really exciting to me.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Um, So what was your first job uh, out of nursing school?
1: So, I actually, while I was in nursing school, I worked on a med surge floor like many of us do. So, I did a short period of time on the med surge floor after graduation. Uh, but actually, it was a desire um, or, or that passion for adrenaline, which I had. You know, I really enjoyed the fireman paramedic work. And so, the natural transition for me was to move into the emergency department. Um, I really liked being a good generalist. And so in the early 1990s, I went to work at Temple University Hospital in Philadelphia. I wanted some real big time trauma experience having come from Florida. And boy, in the early 1990s, I certainly got that working uh, in the inner city of Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, I was gonna, when you mentioned med surge, uh, I was gonna ask, I came from, uh, I uh, I was a Navy corpsman. Uh, served with the Marine Corps, uh, trained in combat trauma. So coming out of that environment uh, into nursing, uh, my natural flow was emergency room uh, right after graduation. So I was gonna, you mentioned that you're like, I'm like, how did you transition from being firefighter paramedic into a med surge unit? Because that was, that for me, working on med surge was a huge shift as a student. Um, so I, I definitely knew, even though I appreciated the work that was being done on the med search floor, I knew I needed something else. Uh, and it was, it was the emergency room. And for me, after, after a little while in the emergency room, I'm like, maybe I don't want to be around trauma all the time. So <laughs> that's how I transitioned out of the emergency room. So, um, so you went so you, you did your, um you were in the emergency department uh, how did you uh, evolve into um saying you know what i'm going to go further with my education because i saw you have an mba you have an msn eventually you went into your phd program and you took this other route with the business uh, side um, how did you go that how did you evolve into that um arena
1: thanks for that question so uh actually, I was very fortunate to have some great mentors uh, as I progressed through my career. And so often, it's those mentors who see those things about you that you don't see when you look at yourself in the mirror. And as I mentioned, I got involved with the Student Nurses Association and um, interesting trajectory in that that can be a story unto itself. But when I was serving on the national board of the Student Nurses Association, I was the secretary treasurer. And um, we had consultants who advised the student board, one from the American Nurses Association and the other one from the National League for Nursing. And when I was rolling off the board and you know getting ready to pursue my career in emergency nursing, one of my uh, mentors said to me, well, Ken, when you go back to school, not if, but when, You really have a knack for business. You should find a school that offers a joint MSN MBA program. Mm. And so that's what led me to Texas. I had originally thought about doing this in Philadelphia. And that was part of the reason that I was drawn to Philly was to uh, attend a program there. And due to personal reasons, kind of uh, needed to make a little bit of a shift. And it was another one of my mentors who got me connected uh, at UT Austin, wound up meeting with the dean there, and um, it was absolutely fantastic. And I do have to mention, you know, one of the great mentors that I had was Dr. Robert Piamonte, the uh, former executive director of the National Student Nurses Association. And the quote that I carry from Dr. Bob that I use in almost every presentation about leadership that I do is he said, Ken, just always remember connections. Only hurt those people who don't have them, mm-hmm. and so little did I know that my dean was connected to the executive director of the National Student Nurses Association, who would then connected me with the dean at UT Austin, and uh, the rest is kind of history, as they say.
0: Wow, amazing! I-, I love that quote because I always I always tell my students said network, 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 because that's how that's how like everything not just not just in the world of nursing that's how everything is run like who do you know um and and what doors they may be able to open for you or guide you a certain way or just making that introduction doesn't even have to be anything in depth but you know just an email introduction uh goes goes a long way um so yeah i i love that quote i wrote it down as you were saying it (laughs) that's that's fantastic um So you went to, and actually one of my, uh, not one, my my best friend lives in Austin, uh, familiar with that, with that town. Uh, I might be visiting it this summer. Um, How, how did that program, the MBA MSN program guide you to, to that business side that you, um, you know, just looking at the fact that HealthStream bought out uh, your business uh, speaks volumes to the quality uh, that it produced. So how, How did you decide this is this is what you're going to develop um, uh, moving forward in your career?
1: Another great question. You know, I'm a firm believer in when that door opens, you got to walk through it. You know, you can always step back if it's not the right door for you. But don't stand on the other side and say woulda, coulda, shoulda later in your career and life. So I got a great foundation in nursing administration in that part of my program and really put all the tools in my toolkit that if I was going to go into healthcare administration, I was well-armed with my advanced degree in nursing. And when I entered the program, that was really what I thought my career goal was going to be, right? I wanted to do this joint degree program because one day I was going to be the best director of an emergency department there ever was because I was going to have all the tools in my toolkit. Well, during my time in the MBA program, I spent a lot of time with non-nurses. As a matter of fact, I'll admit, I was the only person in my joint degree program at the time. So I joke, I graduated at the top and the bottom of my class. But it was, it was, I learned so much in the MBA program, but I was also very challenged because you know I'm coming from my nursing background and my clinical background, and yet I'm sitting right next to a gentleman who has his. Master's degree in electrical engineering from MIT, and he's come to get his MBA. And so I always joke they didn't call it B school for nothing because I made straight B's all the way through business school. But what I tell my students about that is it's not about the grades, it's about putting the tools in your toolkit to be successful. This is about your journey and not comparing yourself to someone else. That's not important. And so Uh, We had a cohort program, and within that cohort, we were broken into groups, and I had some great people in my groups, and I got invited to join both the consulting and the entrepreneurship groups um, with one of my colleagues, and I hope I don't go too long on this, but it was really, really influential, and I always remember, I went to the consulting group, and one of the things that they do in that group is they would do an evaluation of your resume. And um, so I turned in my resume and at next month's meeting, I show up and I'm going to date myself. Here on the overhead is my resume bigger than life. And a gentleman I didn't know very well, but I knew him by reputation as faculty said, now here's someone who has absolutely no idea what they want to do with their life. And I was like, wow. And I will say my nursing resume was very different than the business resume, and I had not tailored it to a business school type resume. Well, that began to establish a relationship between myself and this faculty member that uh, remains a mentor till today, and I'll come back to that later, but it got me exposed to the concepts of entrepreneurship, and at the same time, through the consulting group, uh, I was able to actually get a summer internship working for an information systems consulting firm. So I think those two activities that were outside of my curriculum were absolutely pivotal in shaping the future direction of where my career was going to take me.
0: That's amazing Um, because I can can just see that working the other way where using your resume on the, on the overhead would be, I would be like, I am never taking any advice from this individual again, but you took it the other way. And you said, you know what, I, I have a lot to learn, uh, and I need to engage with this faculty, uh, on, uh, on what I need to do to tailor this, or even look at a career trajectory, uh, that is more business oriented.
1: Well, um, and the follow-on to that, not to interrupt, but, um, was that, couple semesters later I had an elective and so I signed up for this gentleman's class and he was the only one in the school of business who could actually hand select the students to be in his course and you had to drop your resume to actually get selected to be in his course and I was selected so I have to assume my resume evolved over the (laughs) half year year that it took for me to be able to take an elective in his course and I learned so much from that particular course and I the funny anecdote was I had started my company I was just getting going and I was jumping on a an airplane one day and there I see this gentleman and he's like hey how you doing and I said great you know i followed your advice I've started my own venture and I reached into my briefcase and I pulled out his entrepreneurship handbook from his course So it was influential in my life and, you know, was a great touchstone throughout the time that I was running my own business.
0: That's amazing. I always appreciate um, those that come along the way that can um, guide us and steer us, uh, provide us the pathways. And even if they haven't traveled those pathways, that's where I think our own experiences come into place that we can take from other people, use our own experiences and our own knowledge and create these new ventures. Um, so that's amazing. Um, now you mentioned you, you are, you, uh, or as we've already talked about, you are in an MBA MSN program. And as you're talking about this, what is the value of an MSN MBA combined program? Cause I see a lot of value in it. I think, especially for administration, especially when I see a lot of, Uh, ambulatory care settings uh, that put MBAs in lieu of nurses. So what is the value of an MBA for a nurse in in these types of roles where they need to have a business background?
1: Great question. Well, to start with, who knows healthcare better than nurses from the bedside to the boardroom? And I always joke that my Dual degree actually made me trilingual. I could speak healthcare because I concentrated in technology in my MBA. I could talk technology and then, of course, the language of business in the MBA. And I would often say, well, yes, I go to the end users, my healthcare folks, and talk to them in their language about what they need. Then I go talk to my tech people in techie speak about what we're going to go build. And then I'd use my business language to go talk to the CFO about how the return on investment is going to come from implementing this technology to help out the end users. Now you can easily pull the technology piece out of that. You know, truth be told, most of the time, well, it's evolving and that's a good thing. But as I was coming up, you know, senior executives didn't really necessarily always speak the language of nursing. You know, certainly over my career we've seen the evolution of the CNO role as an active player in decision-making. But my point is, you know, they're not gonna learn to speak nursing. Well, if we wanna get what we want advanced as far as our agenda, then we're gonna have to speak in the language of business. And, you know, this also kind of calls to the organizational call to action at Sigma right now. You know, we're talking about call to action is to be bold, but being bold, that rests on three pillars and that's economics, technology, and conservation. And all three of those really do relate very closely together. But so often, people uh, confuse economics with finance. And finance is just one component of economics. Economics truly is about the science of decision making. And so you need the finance. You need the clinical information. You need all of the aspects of the problem and articulate those in a economic framework where you talk about potentially the opportunity cost of choosing one path versus the other. So being able to speak the language of business and economics can really help nurses to influence the decision-makers who have so much influence over their practice.
0: That's great. That's that's great advice. Um, So as, So I want to talk about a little bit about the actual fact that you uh, went into business for yourself. Um, What was the driver for that and the fact that you you saw the need in that arena? Uh,
1: You couldn't have asked the question in any better way. What's the need, right? What is the... The two first questions of entrepreneurship really are usually... Who is the customer and why do they buy? And if you can't answer those two questions, then there's probably not an opportunity there. So as I alluded to, I took a summer internship with an information systems consulting company, and their specialty was selecting and implementing electronic medical records. Now, you have to also remember the time that I graduated from my joint degree program. It was the mid-1990s. So electronic medical records were really just coming online at that point in time. And I got to do some really exciting work and that could be a podcast in and of itself. But what I realized was that we were amassing all of this data about our patients. But in reality, we hardly knew anything about the people who were taking care of them, right? And if we had that data, It lived in disparate places. It was in a manager's file cabinet in the office for their department, right? And so I also believed in the synergy model, which says that patient has a group of characteristics, a nurse has a group of characteristics, and if you match those characteristics, you're going to optimize the patient outcome, which is something I'm incredibly passionate about. So to that end, there weren't really learning management systems as we know them today, and certainly very few uh, web-based systems. So we built a learning management system from the ground up for the internet. On top of that, we eventually laid in the ability to do skills checklist, then performance evaluation, and then even the ability to build your own online professional portfolio. And this was still very early days of the internet. We actually got a couple of patents for some of the work that we did, which I'm still very proud of, but it was all about the idea of optimizing patient outcomes. And then the other thing that was really important to us was, you know, you looked at the systems in healthcare organizations for tracking what I will call compliance data. Right. And as I said, you know, the file on a particular individual, lived in the manager's drawer. And yes, they had done their fire safety. And yes, they had done their back injury um, prevention education. Um, But this was all just siloed data. And it wasn't very useful because it was all on paper for the most part. So why did the customer buy originally? Because we could aggregate all of that data together for a single institution so that when an accrediting organization walked in the door, They could literally hit a button and run a report for the entire organization, which again, you have to think of the times, this was pretty cool stuff we got to do. But the other piece that was really important to me, and it's something we continue to struggle with today as a profession, is how do we move from a model that's about compliance to a model that's about competency, right? Mm -hmm. And I used to love talking at the Student Nurses Association and asking this question. so who has that person in their class who gets 100 on every exam, but you probably wouldn't let them touch you in a clinical setting? And almost every hand in the room would go up. And I said, that's the difference between competency and compliance. And now you know we're moving in that direction with the new essentials from the American Association of Colleges of Nursing that we want to move to competency. And so that's why we really evolved the product to a portfolio type model because it's those other artifacts as I refer to them. It's not the compliance activities of, yes, you passed the NCLEX, yes, you did your continuing education. It's things like letters from family and other artifacts like that, that really give you that 360 degree view of a patient, I'm sorry, a provider. And you know, it's like that old saying, I know art when I see it, right? And we can't really still define competency very well as a profession, but I think experienced nurses know competency when they see it, and we have to give them the tools to be able to evaluate competency. And so it was a really exciting journey, but it was all driven by an understanding of the industry with my nursing background, being able to tech my tech and business skills and put those together to be able to solve a problem that hopefully... Impacted the quality of patient care and maybe moved the profession forward a little bit as well. Uh,
0: that's amazing. Uh, um, I, I was I, in a um, when I was actually I was a director of education of, of an organization. And when I got there, there uh, I'm, I'm putting air quotes. Uh, when I got there, their competencies were all paper, pencil. Uh, they went uh, and they filled out like this 30 page, like exam that they wrote out and they turned it in and that's, that was their competencies. Um, and I moved them from, from that into with a lot of, uh, pushback, I have to say from, moved move them from that into a simulation based competencies where it was team-based, you saw individual efforts, you saw so the whole process, uh, that I, uh, that I developed and, uh, you know, obviously at the end of the day, competencies, you know, I'm, I'm more about proficiency than, than moving beyond competencies into those proficiencies. Like, are you proficient, not just competent as, as as something, Um, but moving into those uh, actual evaluations of real life uh, application of critical thinking and skills and all of those that make up uh, competencies. But that's, that's kind of, it requires a huge education department that, unfortunately, we do not see <laughs> uh, in in healthcare settings. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of moving from from into a competency based model because that's really what I think we need, and us getting better at defining what what competencies really are and how do we evaluate them. Um, so same thing with you know uh, licensing and board of registered nursing stuff, which is all which is so exam based. And it doesn't actually evaluate performance. Um, I can go on with examples forever of things that I see that I'm like, you shouldn't. It, it, there's no correlation between this and performance. Uh, so I think it's it's a great way for us to move forward. Um, so uh, so thank you for the for for the for the for the background uh, on the work that you did with with the business. How did you decide you were, or did you? Did it, was PhD after all of this, or was the PhD happen uh, while, you were, uh, while you were running uh, your organization?
1: Well, you know, working 24 hours a day at a startup, just, I, I thought, gosh, I've got all of this free time. Let me start my PhD <laughs> at the same time. And so, yes, I pursued uh, both the PhD and the startup uh, at the same time and managed to have a successful exit from both.
0: Excellent. Um, but what was the drive for the PhD? Oh, did, did you, because uh, you're, you know, from a, from a business perspective, um, like a PhD would not necessarily fill any voids for you, but how did you decide that you wanted the PhD?
1: It goes back to what I said at the beginning of the conversation. For me, it's always been about giving back whenever I can. Um, That's why, you know, I've always been members in my professional organization and supported them both with um, financial support and time. And I think in this lifetime, we all know that's the one finite commodity we have. So, you know, giving them my time has always been really important to me, but it's about that idea of giving back. And I got the question from one of my professors when I was working in my PhD, um, what are you doing taking up a seat in my class? (laughs) You know, you're obviously going to be a successful entrepreneur and, you know, you've got a long trajectory there if you want to go down that path. And I said, no, you know, one day this degree is going to give me the opportunity to give back to a profession that's been very, very good to me. And I will admit, you know, at that point in time, the thought of academia really was not in the forefront. But I knew that I could use the tools that were put in my toolkit in different ways to give back. Um, but when the call came and Hopkins asked me if I would come join the faculty, I said absolutely. I didn't even hesitate because it was the door opening to that opportunity to get back to the profession.
0: That's a, that's that's amazing, uh, and that's that's the thing I think with with degrees. Uh, not only do they provide you, uh, I think degrees provide you with multiple multiple things other than just. The knowledge that you gain, but it also changes perspectives. Uh, As you mentioned before, it gives you a new language uh, to speak. And I think that's important. And it opens up doors. It opens up doors that would not have otherwise been opened for you. Uh, I mean, before I even graduated my PhD program, several doors opened up just because of the content I was working on and the fact that I was going to be P. I'm. Gonna, I was going to have a PhD behind my name. Just for that fact alone, doors opened up. Um. I mean, I, I the research I did for my dissertation. I'm still working with people on those topics because they're still valid now. Just because nobody else has done the research. Uh, but I think these are all. This is all kind of goes along with the fact that when some, when people say, why get another degree or why get a higher education after what did your degree that you have? And those are the things I was, you know, kind of addresses like, you always wanna make sure, uh, for me, it's always been, I never wanna be at a point in my career where um, my degree was going to be the barrier between, no matter how qualified I am, my degree was going to be the barrier. Uh, for me moving forward, right? So uh, again, so you've spoken on, on several topics already that kind of reiterated that whole concept of the higher degree. So thank you for that. Uh, so I wanna make sure we have some time and we talk about uh, Sigma. Um, uh, you are the new president of Sigma. Uh, how is, uh, and we, we had the pleasure of having the previous president on the show. Uh, and uh, how, how is SIGMA going to be different under your leadership?
1: That's a really great question. And I think that, you know, SIGMA now coming into its second hundred years has certainly evolved as an organization. You know, you think about six nurses starting this organization in times very similar to now. know, we had just come out of a pandemic. We had just come out of a global war that, you know, had really stressed the economies, and, and nursing was asked to step up, and these six bold nurses stepped up and realized, you know, it's not just about delivering nursing care, that nursing is creating its own body of knowledge, and we need to be codifying all of that and capturing all of that. So, I think we've had a tremendous first hundred years, and, and the evolution that I've seen in that hundred years has just been amazing. Um, for me, it kind of goes back to some of the points that we've already talked about. Um, Sigma certainly had a very nursing focus over the years, but you know we nowadays are talking about you know our interdisciplinary education, but we do that within healthcare. I think for nursing to move its agenda forward and sigma is of course part of all of that is that we have to be collaborating with groups outside of nursing you know i I will admit i didn't know a whole lot about engineering until i started spending time around engineers you know would also sometimes confuse them with architects, which I knew I was wrong, but there's a component (laughs) of engineering. But, you know, I mean, you think about it, engineers were involved in building the devices that we use and delivering care, involved in, you know, the buildings that we work in. But at the same time, they share many of the same passions that we do about things like planetary health. You know, there are engineers that are just totally focused on that. So I think in terms of, what we've already spoken about, about being able to speak different languages, we need to start speaking to different disciplines. And that doesn't mean that we need to be speaking in their language, but we need to find that common language. And that common language is found in the passions that we share about delivering great patient care, about making sure that the planet that we live on is safe and is going to sustain the people that are going to be on it. So I think that we've had a a focus on nursing for the last hundred years. I think we need to have a broader focus kind of resting on those tenants that I spoke to of economics, technology, and conservation to really have a broader reach, to have greater impact by working with people who share our own passions that may not be completely focused in healthcare the way that we are. And, you know, I already talked about the economic piece, the technology piece, incredibly important, you know, we're faced with technology every day as nurses. But how often are we really involved in the conversation when those technologies are developed or in the conversation when the technologies are selected and implemented? We need to be involved in that. But at the same time, you know, we have to be guardians of the populations that we serve. There's a lot of dark side to technology, I mean, we've heard a lot about social media lately, and of course, everybody says that big data and artificial intelligence are going to be the next electricity. But if we're not involved at the start, where that data is being collected, and when the algorithms are written, if there's bias introduced, that bias is just going to perpetuate itself, which is just going to increase the disparities that we're seeing. So I think that's a really important conversation we need to be engaged in. And then I specifically talked about conservation as opposed to planetary health, because it kind of comes full circle. That's an economic way of thinking, right? It used to be that I remember when I was younger, when you wore out a pair of shoes, you took him to a shoemaker who was a craftsman. He was proud, of, or she was proud of the work that they did. And I think it's important to think about that, that we move away from this completely disposable society norm. Because human capital, I'm sorry, technology is certainly going to cause technological unemployment. And it's gonna increase the gap between the haves and the have-nots. We're already seeing that in a lot of cases. And if we don't care about our human resources and Find work for them to do in things that are important that will help us sustain our planet. We're going to see more social unrest, and the consumption is going to lead to greater deterioration of our planet. So I think we have always taken a, a very holistic approach as a profession to the provision of care. I think now a refocusing on that holistic approach from a even larger societal and global approach is going to be incredibly important as SIGMA moves forward into its next 100 years.
0: That's great. That's, that's a great point that you brought up. Um, now, uh, again, um, one, of the, one of the things that kind of sits in the back of my brain always, just because it's my own pers- personal interest, <clears throat> is veterans care. Uh, and I know SIGMA in the past, uh, especially with uh, Dr. Ricciardi, who was the previous president, of Sigma was it was, was a hot topic on his agenda. Um, how is Sigma uh, going to support um, the nursing research when it comes to veterans' health? Because um, I know it's uh, there are um, and and Sigma, and Sigma has been in the past uh, very supportive of uh, nurses that have been doing veterans' health research. Um, I know for your upcoming conference, I know a number of well known nurses that have not made it to the conference. Like they've had a large number of veterans' health issues, did not make it to the conference. Their submissions didn't make it to the conference. Um, What are your thoughts around Sigma's role with um, supporting veterans' health topics uh, as we move forward? You know, that war of uh, Iraq and Afghanistan kind of came to a sudden halt. Uh, those veterans are still in the community. Those veterans or those service members did not go away. They're coming back home um, with with um, and the Veterans Healthcare Administration uh, only serves about uh, less than half of the veterans that are out there in the community. So, from a civilian perspective, how what do you think uh, Sigma is going to? Uh, what role do you think sigma is going to play in in making sure that the veteran health topics don't uh, disappear just as, because we're not in an active well i don't i, I, I will use this word loosely active war zone um uh, is, is there a plan is uh, where is there a plan for veterans uh health issues in sigma
1: Thank you for the question. And thank you for your passion for our veterans, which I also share they've done great service for our country and uh, can't say enough good things about our veterans and their service. Um, I will also make the disclaimer that I am not an expert in veterans care like our, our previous president. But that's not to say that we have lost focus on the needs of our veterans. Um, you know, as far as Opportunities to present at conferences, we try and make those as broad as possible. I can't speak specifically <laughs> to why different things go get in, and you know, you also have to, at the same time, we represent such a broad community of nurses, and not just nationally, but globally. So I always try and keep that in perspective too. We talked about the idea of opportunity cost and everything uh, having trade-offs. Um, We will continue to do the work that we have done to support our veterans. Um, I know that many of the research grants that we do give are opportunities for people to continue their research in the area specifically about the care of our veterans. Additionally, I know that through many of our academies, if you will, the specialization in that area of maybe long-term care, um, which is a component because it's not The care of our veterans doesn't, it's not just a one time thing. It is longitudinal, and that's something that we keep in mind. So, certainly, the work of the academies, and I will say, you know, on a personal note, um, sponsored a scholarship that's specifically focused on long term care, which is not, oh, it, you know, means in term, in population, in a facility type care, but no, those providing care over the continuum of care. So certainly a population that we will continue to support.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, it's always nice. It's always, you know, um, veterans care always gets uh, kind of, and you know, veterans right now, we're talking about 18 million veterans um, that are are, And if you, so if you less than half of them are being serve, served by the VA and almost all of them get some kind of care outside of the VA system. Um, so it's always important that we uh, we keep it in our, in our perspective that uh, we serve the veteran community, whether we know it or not, or if we ask the right questions or if we don't. So I think it's always good for nursing organizations to keep veterans health um, at the forefront, because a lot of times we default to, oh, the VA takes care of the veterans and that's not necessarily, the case, um, so so I appreciate you uh, your your support of the topic in the in the nursing community. Now, I, I have one more question for you. When it comes to uh, Sigma, um, uh, Sigma has very specific guidelines as to uh, who can be uh, in who can be invited into the organization um, and who cannot. Um, and I know from speaking from a from a, a nursing community Sigma hat is sometimes seen as an exclusionary organization uh, with having the bachelor's degree requirements and having GPA requirements with it which uh, sometimes um, not sometimes it is keeping a large sector of our community who contribute to research and care uh, of the nation. Um, um, and they are not able to partake uh, in, the, in, the, um, uh, in the SIGMA organization. What are your thoughts around that? And are you uh, or the organization working on anything like that? Is that a thought of yours? And where do you think it might be going?
1: That's a great question. And I wanna acknowledge that I've heard exactly the same. Um, no surprises there. But this is something that we're looking at as an organization. And as I alluded to earlier, you know, Sigma has really evolved over time. And we have to listen to the needs of the profession. And I almost was the entrepreneur and said, our customers, but that's true. You know, our members, I view them as our customers, and we provide service to them. But we are looking at ways to include those associate degree nurses. I can't make any promises here today but it's certainly something that's already been in front of this board of directors that just had its first meeting. Um, We actually have certain requirements by being a member of an association of honor societies. And so there are some externalities to use an economic term that we have to consider, but I don't think those should be barriers to membership. We're also looking at, now we have a relationship with clinical organizations. The organization that I work with at Johns Hopkins All of our clinical entities are now members of our Sigma chapter at Johns Hopkins. We've seen this model evolve at Stanford University as well. And again, these are the early leaders. I don't want that to seem like, well, we wouldn't work with a smaller community hospital that has a relationship with its local academic partner, right? So we are exploring a variety of different models and you know I would love to see us have a greater relationship with the National Student Nurses Association, and to do that, we're going to have to figure out the ADN issue because the majority, not the majority, but many of their members are associate degree nurses, and so we want to create very uh, break down barriers and really create opportunities for nurses and one thing I do want to point out is um, although membership in sigma At this time, does exclude the associate degree nurses. We have so many resources that are available to non members. You know, great things like a whole curriculum around surviving your first year in nursing. So, my point, and that's just one example, but my point being that although Um, You may not be a member of Sigma right now. There are great resources available to you. and, And certainly during the last two years that we've been through, we have done as much as we can possibly think of, but we're always open to new ideas to support the nurses out there doing the work, whether they're Sigma nurses or not. you know, We've done a number of podcasts about resiliency and other things to really help all the nurses, not just the member of Sigma, members of Sigma. We are dedicated to the nursing profession, whether you're a member of Sigma or not.
0: I appreciate that. And I think it's important for um, the nursing community to know that you're actively working on something and what that that is is going is yet to be defined, but I think it's important for them to know that you are aware of the barriers. Uh, and uh, I think from for myself, anyway, I, I appreciate the fact that there's opportunity. Uh, you you're looking at other opportunities for nurses to join, and I and specifically if they can join after they finish their degree, because that's another thing is if you're um, uh, if you if you weren't able to join. When you completed your program and you have a couple of years under your belt and you're a professional RN, and now you're interested in an organization like Sigma, um, a pathway other than waiting for somebody to recognize you as a community leader. I think there's opportunities for us to bring, uh, be another organization that is inclusive of all of nursing, uh, I think is always the pathway I always like to see. Because again, anytime you're not part of something, you feel left out. Uh, And I think uh, in nursing, there's enough organizations that do that. Uh, Nursing, I think there's opportunities to always try to break down some of those barriers. So I appreciate the fact that you're, that's already been on your agenda. So thank you. Absolutely.
1: And I wanna uh, reiterate a point that you've made is, is this idea of being inclusive. Because nursing is, such an amazing profession that you can, I always say it's great, you know, you can change jobs without changing profession. You get tired and working in the emergency department, you're a little burnt out, you can go to the newborn nursery and feed babies if that's what your calling is at that point in time. And that may mean that you transition from the Emergency Nurses Association to the Neonatal Nurses Association. We, in wanting to be inclusive, we want Sigma to be your home throughout your career. This should be the one place that you can go to, that you can find mentors, you can build that network. You've got great resources available to you, and that those resources spound geographic and and political boundaries around the world. And so that's really what we're striving to do in that next 100 years, is to be able to Provide value to the individual nurse across the entire continuum of their career.
0: I appreciate that, and you are an international organization, so your reach is that much further than the national organizations that we talk about. Uh, So I appreciate that being on your agenda. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. Anything else you want to share with 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 the audience? Uh...
1: You know, I would say just in closing, the reason we moved. Well, two things. We always used to have a presidential call to action at Sigma. We moved to an organizational call to action because it's about the members. And that call to action for this biennium of our second centennial is to be bold. And that really goes back to all of our, our willingness to raise all of our voices as one about those topics that are really important to our profession, the patients we care for, and the planet. And if there was ever an opportunity, this is it. I mean, you know, the last two years have been a nightmare for all of us, but it's also put the spotlight on us. And we have to take this opportunity to educate the public about all of the different things that nurses do. The public doesn't know that there are in many cases don't know that they're nurse scientists. It just doesn't enter their mind, right? like, You have a PhD in nursing? What do you do with a PhD (laughs) in nursing, right? Right. So this this is our golden opportunity to really educate the public about our value proposition as a profession. And if we can do that, you know, it's one thing in the United States, we've got what, 3.5, 4 million nurses, depending on whose number you look at, what day. Yeah, can that make a dent? It can make a dent. But if we could mobilize 300 million Americans to look at healthcare the way that we do from a holistic perspective and that the current model is not sustainable, then we can move our leaders and our legislators to make the changes that we need to make to our healthcare system to make sure that no one, whether they're a veteran or someone you know, who just doesn't have the resources goes out without the healthcare that we need, because that's what we're all passionate about. That's why we were drawn to this profession in the first place. So I would just implore all of my colleagues listening to this podcast and people who don't know about nursing, learn a little bit about nursing and help us raise our voices to be bold and improve our healthcare delivery system
0: that's a that's a fantastic uh message uh to leave this on thank you so much for your time uh we have been uh listening to dr kenneth dion uh, president of sigma and we look forward to catching you again on our next podcast (music) You've been listening to The RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayip.com. That's www.aliartayip.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair wins and following Z.